We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. to another edition of the Nitrocast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our proud sponsor, Underdog Fantasy, your home for best ball and more. I continue to be their spokesman that they didn't even want. Underdog Fantasy, get yours on today. We're talking about a little bit more in the show, but we're going to get you a matching $100 deposit. So tune in later for that. All right. So it is our last show before the NFL draft, and we're recording bright and early on a Monday morning. So this should be, if you are a Dynasty Tradecast feed listener, this should be in your ear holes very soon. And if you are a uh, Rotoviz feed listener, we'll try and get it to you on Wednesday. So anyways, we have the Rookie Mock Matrix. We do this every year for the last five or so years. What, what this is, is a combination of the previous year's draft class, in this case 2021, and the current year's draft class, 2022. So smash these two years together and create a rookie mock out of it. We're going two rounds deep, so we're going to try and squeeze 24 uh, players of analysis into about 48 to 60 minutes. Dan, do you think you're up for it? Oh, I'm going to give it a hell of a go after uh, the the solo podcast. I finally felt your pain of having <laughs> to talk to myself for what ended up being like 45 minutes. I kind of surprised myself, but I, I'm ready to get back into talking with my good friend, Nathan. I when, when I was listening to that podcast, I, I've never like I've, I listened. I listen to our podcast with you and me just because I, you know, like to listen to it occasionally. But listening to just you, I realize how even keel your tone is. Like you never go higher or lower; it's always just <laughs> straight. And I no can, one can. I, I can get voice inflection going, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just weird. Like I was talking to myself. It's hard to like get rowdy about something and like go crazy <laughs> for things. All right. So speaking of going crazy, we're gonna go crazy with our rookie mock matrix. And you started us off. First of all, you forgot how we do the rookie mock matrix. <laughs> I, I thought we were doing just a rookie mock, and then I was like, wait a minute, we're doing the sophomores too. So we started over. I still would have picked who I picked at the you know in the, in the rookie portion, but yes, 
we we did our rookie mock matrix. So explain it to the people, Nathan. I I already did. Um, <laughs> the combination of, of of this year's draft class, last year's draft class, and you have the first pick, Dan. So who are you taking first? Well, I think this one's pretty obvious. I went with Jamar Chase. There's going to be some running back lovers who might think about doing Javante Williams or Najee Harris, but the only uh, real answer here is Jamar Chase. I think there's maybe a, a smidge. It's like one of the when they do the MVP voting and like the the one petty vote for the one guy, like Kyle Pitts gets one vote for potentially going one on one. If this was tight end premium, I think you make Kyle Pitts probably that first pick. But considering this is just a super flex slash two QB uh, standard, quote unquote, the new standard, uh, Jamar Chase just has to be it. Obviously, you know, at this point, the draft capital doesn't even matter. But you get that first round, that, that big first round price tag. You finish as wide receiver five. And as I talked about last week, for those people that didn't listen, the, the players that are picked in the first round that do it early tend to continue to do it or at least do it more than once. So I would expect nothing but wide receiver one seasons out of Jamar Chase for, I mean, as long as Joe Burrow is healthy and as long as the Bengals continue to you know, to work that offense the way it is. So Jamar Chase, 101, I don't think there's really much question here. Yeah, and this is a very, you know, interesting, you know, obviously a lot of high, you know, value here in terms of look at the disparity of Jamar Chase's targets to his receiving yards. He was 18th among wide receivers in targets and receptions and fourth in receiving yards and total touchdowns. So he did, probably didn't have as much volume as he'll have in future years, but he was still producing as a top five wide receiver in terms of receiving yards and total touchdowns. All right, I'll move on to our next pick. And you mentioned a guy who you might want at 101 in this format um, if it was tight end premium. And I went with one Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, we, we we shame the tight end position. We, t- we talk bad about the tight end position year in and year out, but... Kyle Pitts is in a position to be a top three tight end for the next seven, eight, nine years. And that's not something we often see at the tight end position. So I'm going to lock in that tight end production at the 102 in this draft. He had uh, fifth in targets, seventh in receptions, third in receiving yards among tight ends, 49th in total touchdowns, a very Julio Jones-esque uh, year for Kyle Pitts in his rookie season. And those targets are only going to go up with the absence of Calvin Ridley, you know, fully for an entire season. Um, I'm assuming they're probably going to invest in, uh, with a wide receiver in early in the draft in 2022, this coming week. But, you know, Pitts, I, I think that it's hard to, uh, you know, poke holes in his game at this stage. Well, I think the one downside is the fact that the Falcons don't have any other help. So he's going to get a corner and a safety or, or a safety and a linebacker or, a, you know, a, a corner and a linebacker pretty much all game, every game because they really don't have anybody else to cover, and they'd rather just take him away. But, I mean, that, that being said, he's still going to get the lion's share of those targets. He's still going to do what he does with them, and, and that's some pretty good things. I think the, the positional advantage here is is really the, the, the high-value point of taking Kyle Pitts at this, because he's essentially a set-it-and-forget-it type pick, where you now no longer have to worry about tight end for who knows could be could be 6 years could be 10 years could be 15 years it's hard to project that but the way he looked as a rookie you know he he's going to be uh i mean very good at least for for some time let's hope for all health and and all good things and hopefully the falcons come into 
uh, you know, upgrade. You know, Marcus Mariota will will be a fine, you know, bridge quarterback, but hopefully they they find themselves someone decent in 2023 and they can land one of the top two or three in that draft to to really boost Pitt's potential. But, you know, it's kind of inevitable that he goes here. Okay, uh, so I had one. I now have three. This one, I, I I feel like I could have gone a bunch of different ways. I ended up going with Trevor Lawrence, mostly for namesake, but also I, I've started lately to put a lot more of my eggs in the Urban Meyer is a really bad coach basket. And I, I just, I feel like the Clemson Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Trevor Lawrence looked nothing alike. And the only thing that made sense was Urban Meyer and the lack of talent around him. But that, that whole situation was so bad that it can only get better. And there was still every once in a while, we would see that little bit of twinkle in his eye, that little glimmer of hope that Trevor Lawrence was in there somewhere. So uh, I, I went with T lot three. I, I think still the sky is still the limit. The floor is significantly lower than we thought, but the sky is still the limit. Yeah, looking at statistics, six of the basket attempts, 13th of completions. Not the best rookie season, but a lot of that can be attributed to Urban Meyer. They did bring in some weapons, or however you would call them, with Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. And I'm assuming they'll probably add at least one more you know, weapon type in the draft, whether it be wide receiver or tight end. And then Travis Etienne, uh, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence's college teammate, will be reunited with him after missing his rookie season due to injury. Let's go to our next player, which is the 104, Najee Harris. Yes, we can, we're four straight, four picks in, four straight 2021 rookies. Najee Harris, this is purely a volume pick. I, I don't think that Najee Harris is the best running back to ever walk the, the face of the earth. I, I don't necessarily think that he has the talent level to equate to this value, but I do think that he is going to be a player who is going to be getting 20 touches a game for the foreseeable future with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that the Steelers are in a position with how this quarterback class is shaking out. I think the, the Steelers are easily going to walk away from, you know, the first round of the draft with a quality quarterback. It may not be the best quarterback prospect that you've ever seen, but they're going to get, probably a better quarterback at 18, 19 than you would typically get in a, in a normal year. Yeah. It's hard to argue with, with Najee here. I, I think, I think if we knew that Javante Williams was going to be the true bell cow in Denver, I, I think he has a, a better case for this spot only because Pittsburgh is kind of in a, in a tough state at the moment, obviously uh, I don't know that they upgraded at quarterback, even though Ben was essentially a dead body. Uh, they possibly got a more decayed dead body uh, as their starting quarterback now. But, you know, you, you can't argue with the results. Najee Harris finishes RB3 in, in 2021. And that, again, like I talked about, I'm going to link a lot of today to what we talked about, what I talked about last week. And, you know, early finishes for round one players, because a lot of these guys are going to end up being round one players. Uh, or at least the you know the first round, and that that early high finish is so important to project what's going to happen in the near future. So unless he's Trent Richardson, this is probably going to happen again, and then probably again. So uh, that that rookie contract on those young running backs, especially the the high profile ones, is super super important. 
So it's tough to argue with, I think, either of the running backs here, either of the sophomore running backs. Um, Najee makes sense because he already had the huge volume, and I don't really see them adding anything to take away from that. If anything, having Trubisky might help. Um, but, yeah, I... I I, I probably would have went with who I picked at 105, but I, I do like Najee and Javante here as essentially equivalents. Yeah, I, I think that if you're really looking at it, I think that Najee has the higher f- floor, both long-term and this year. And I think Javante Williams has the clear higher ceiling in the better offense, and it probably has a little bit more of the receiving chops. So is that your pick at 105? It is at 105. I went Javante Williams. I, I know I poo-pooed on him a little bit early on. I think the the he had some really, really high hopes and a, a kind of – I don't think anything was really achievable for him in that state, especially sharing a backfield with Melvin Gordon. But considering the amount of volume he got in what ended up being a pretty poor offense, mostly because it was Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, but now they upgrade to Russell Wilson – they, they lose Noah Fant, so that could maybe help open some things underneath for Javante Williams. But I really still think he's going to be, uh, you know, a, a 250-ish touch running back. I, I do think that they'll add somebody. I think Najee has the clear advantage in volume, but I do think Javante is probably the better running back. Uh, like you said, higher ceiling versus higher floor. Um, I think their floors might actually be pretty similar at this stage. And I do think Javante's ceiling is, is a good amount higher. Um, but we will see. I, I mean, Denver's kind of in that bucket of, of teams known for always having multiple running backs around. So I would expect them to bring in someone. I, I don't know how great, but uh, Javante, I, I think, will build on another uh, a nice rookie season. Speaking of floors and ceilings, my next pick is a player who probably had his ceiling ding just a little bit um, during this offseason. It's one Jalen Waddle with the 106 pick in the 2021-2022 combined rookie mock draft. Jalen Waddle was uh, 10th in targets, 7th in receptions, um, not not the highest yards per catch, but 22nd in receiving yards and 18th in total touchdowns, 37th in air yards. But with all that being said, Jalen Waddle isn't in a position to be a very good wide receiver in the NFL. And, you know, if he was facing, quote unquote, like number one corners in 2020, 2021, that is no longer going to be the case in 2022, is that's going to be occupied by one Tyreek Hill in Miami. Um, I, I like this Miami offense. I, I'm i still buying that Tua is not bad. That might end up blowing up in my face. <laughs> but if Tua ends up being good, Waddle, Tyreek Hill, this ends up being a top five NFL offense. And Jalen Waddle ends up being even as a NFL wide receiver two, still being a fantasy wide receiver one. Well, it, here's the thing. Even if Tua is bad, that that's not necessarily the end of the line for, for Jalen Waddle. Even if he's absolutely atrocious, Waddle's going to be able to survive on his own. Uh, but I, we also have seen this offseason that quarterbacks are very attainable, at least this day and age. Teams are, are willing to move off of these massive contracts pile up draft picks and, and kind of restart. So I think if Tua ends up, you know, not getting getting to the point we thought he probably could, or at least being passable, no pun intended, uh, I think I think the Dolphins would be just fine. I think Waddle and Hill will both be just fine. 
obviously, you know, that high end volume isn't probably going to be there unless they convert this offense into, you know, essentially what the Chiefs are doing, which is, is you know, there's potential for that. But they need the quarterback to be able to do that. You can't just put out a bunch of elite playmakers and, and hope that the quarterback can hit the broad side of a barn. It will help to a but I, if, as far as Waddle goes here, I, I love the pick. Um, I think this is kind of the sweet spot for him. Uh, had Tyreek not been traded to the Dolphins, I think Waddle, I maybe would have taken over Najee even because I do think Waddle's that good. A wide receiver 13 season is, I mean, that's so impressive. We haven't really seen this. You know, 2020, we had a couple of, of decent wide receivers as well, but the the big finishes from these guys hasn't really been seen since that that insane 2014 class. So I, I think we're um, I think it's another special class. I think Waddle's part of it. Do do you see a teardrop here to to your next pick, or or do you think that this is still a continu- continuation of a tier? I think it's the continuation of the tier. I, I will say I think a couple of your picks don't belong in the tier, <laughs> but I also know how you draft, so they were kind of expected for me. I would say my next three picks all stay in this same tier, but they're the they're the end of it. Mm-hmm. So okay. with that, my 107 pick, uh, we're going to get a rookie on the board, Nathan. We did whoa, it. We made whoa, it. Whoa, 2022 rookie. I yeah, believe Brees, I believe Brees Hall is going to be a first-round running back. And again, based on last week's podcast, which I wasn't in this mindset early. I've always kind of been like you. It's wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. And maybe we'll sprinkle sprinkle in a running back. I'm putting precedent over running back if they are in the first round solely based on the numbers. Essentially, if a running back is taken in the first round, they're most likely going to have an RB1 season within their first two years. And if they don't, it's either because they're really, really horrible, which is also rare, or they die. <laughs> David Wilson. Sorry, David Wilson. We loved you. I loved you. Uh, it was unfortunate end to the career. So I'm going Brees Hall. I think he ends up being kind of in that bottom 10, maybe eight to 10 picks. We'll see. Somebody could reach for him. I, I you know, I hope it's not someone like the cough, cough, Jets, cough, cough. But uh, I do think that if he is the first round, he's going to get that RB1 volume. He's going to, um, he's going to produce you know, he's he's been called, you know, the the new Matt Forte, I think about 5,000 times on Twitter the last couple of weeks. So I'm not exactly excited about Brees Hall. I do think he's good. I, I'm not overly excited about the prospect. I do think that he will go in the first round, which means significantly more to me than any tape could. And looking at the road of his box score scout, if we do put him in that first round, I put him at a draft position of 28 overall. His his closest comps, and there's not a whole lot of sim scores that are close to him on the road of his box score scout, but we have a 75 with Dalvin Cook, 67 no Sean Marino, 65 Cam Akers, and 59 Bishop Sankey. So um, I think those kind of make sense. I think that Dalvin Cook obviously would be on the higher range of his outcomes. I think no Sean Marino would probably be on like the more median range of his outcomes. Yeah, I mean, assuming health, uh, uh, there's no reason he can't be, I think, you know, 85 to 90 percent of Dalvin Cook. All right. Next, we'll go to our our next pick. And I'm going to go to the quarterback position, uh, the second quarterback off the board in this mock. And it is one Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears. I, I'm still a huge believer in Justin Fields. I think that he is far and away better than any quarterback in the 2022 class and in the Superflex format. 
I just see him as more valuable than than every every player in the 2022 class outside of Brees. Like I could even see myself taking fields above Brees possibly, but that's just more of a preference thing. I know that the value isn't necessarily there with Brees versus Fields, but I think that we're talking about November, December 2022. I think that you know in startups or like you know just rankings, you're going to see Fields above Brees. If Chicago did the things Miami's been doing, adding these weapons. I would be fully on board. And oh, I'm not calling Justin Fields Tua. I, I still like Justin Fields quite a bit. I just wish Chicago was doing more to surround him with some usable they're, talent. It's they're they're waiting a year. I mean, obviously Ob- Yeah, right, right. So it's it's as I mean, this is essentially uh would you rather have Justin Fields or Bryce Young? Because we're waiting a year. Because this this year is gonna be bad too. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I mean that makes sense. I, I think that there's still the upside of Fields' legs to make up for the lack of of weapons around him. Sure. I, I just don't think he's he's talented enough as a passer to elevate everyone around him. I think he's a good passer. I don't put him on like the Patrick Mahomes level. He's not Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, any of those guys. I I think he is electric with his legs, and I think he has really great playmaking ability. I just I, I feel like he needs a couple of guys that are able to get open more consistently than just Darnell Mooney in order to make this really work. I think a change in scenery as far as like the front office and the head coaching, all of that goes is going to be important for him. Obviously, we'll, we'll see how it goes this year, but I, I don't mind him in this range. I, I think he's the only other quarterback I would personally be taking in this first round. He's definitely above, um, you know, the Trey Lance. I think I think Malik Willis is, for me at least, as far as ceiling goes, in a similar category. What we saw from Justin Fields in college is a completely different book than what we saw from Malik Willis in college, though. So I, I think, like you, I have Fields in a different quarterback tier, but I do feel value-wise, they're probably not super far off. And who do you have with your next pick? Okay, 109, I get to lock in my new wide receiver one to go along with my RB1 in this rookie class. I'm taking Jamison Williams. We talked about this uh, a while ago when we were doing some rookie chatter, and I said Jamison Williams could be the wide receiver one, assuming his health, you know, his, his medicals come back good, his health is positive, and all arrows seem to be pointing up. We we're seeing his odds rising on all of the sports books. He's, I think he's now most likely to be wide receiver one off the board. And I think Drake London is rising up a little bit as well, uh, which I think we kind of all assume because of his size and his, his playmaking ability. But I think Jamison Williams is the, he fits the build of, today's wide receiver one in the NFL. You look at a lot of these guys. We don't, I mean, we have a couple of monsters, but we have a lot more fluent movers who are just, you know, maybe a little bit undersized, a little skinnier. You're Justin Jefferson's, you know, they, they have that more lean build rather than the big bulky monsters that we're used to, like the Terrell Owens guys like that. I mean, even someone like Mike Williams, who a lot of people are comparing to Drake London, for me, Jamison Williams, uh, you know, he's got the profile. He's got everything. Alabama wide receiver. It's it's hard to say no to that. And if he is that first wide receiver off the board, even if he isn't, I feel like he has uh, arguably the highest floor out of everybody and a similar ceiling. Uh, I, I think I'd give the ceiling if Drake London pans out to Drake London because 
I feel like he has the most likely outcome to be the next Mike Evans. But that's also a really tall tale to, you know, we I talked about Mike Evans last week. He's He's got some of the most consistent production. Obviously, he hasn't been, he hasn't finished higher than a wide receiver two in any season yet. So that's crazy. Yeah, uh, I'm always wary of the late career breakout, the, the one-year wonder and all those things, and all the metrics prove them to be more volatile prospects. And when we're looking at the road of his box score scout, I, I put James Williams to be the 10th pick overall. His his matches are a 97 John Ross, 71 Tavon Austin, 65 Brandon Cooks, 49 Henry Ruggs, 44 Ted Ginn, 42 Odell Beckham Jr. So like I said, volatile range of outcomes for Jamison Williams with, the, with those, you know, comp slash matches. And so I think that the the better Jamison Williams landing spot, the less likely I am to have him on my teams. Because if he goes to the Chiefs, he's probably the 102 in, in one QB leagues. He's probably the 103 in Superflex. And I'm probably not going to be paying that price. Uh, I'd rather trade down a few picks and take one of the wide receivers that we'll talk about in a little bit in terms of your traditional rookie draft. Um, but in general, I'd be fading at this price. Sure. Uh, but to go back to the uh, the range of outcomes, the, the box score deal, uh, I think there's a pretty clean line down the center of those prospects that you read off. You have bad receiver deep threats, and you have elite receivers that – if they're healthy, they're elite. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and let's go to our next pick. It is the 110. Th- this was the hardest pick for me to make um, in this 24-pick draft we did over text before this podcast started. It's Trey Lance. When we look at this draft a year from now, when we look at this draft six months from now, Trey Lance could either be the steal of this draft, where it's like, how did this dude not go at 102, 103? Or he could be the, you know, the bust of this draft where it's like, this guy shouldn't have been picked in the first 30 picks of this draft. <laughs> and so I am leaning more towards the higher range of those outcomes by picking him at, at 110 overall. Um, one of the negative aspects of this is that, you know, one of the things I was hitching my positivity for Trey Lance to was one Debo Samuel. And it seems like Debo Samuel is out the next door. So I I wonder what a Trey Lance, Brandon Ayuk offense looks like. But I, I will look at it this way. If Debo Samuel is gone this weekend, then I can guarantee you the Niners will have one of the wide receivers that we're going to take later on in this draft. My worry there is, can any of them do what Debo did for the 49ers? I mean, he's your utility, he's your Swiss Army knife, and he was impressive doing everything that role provided to him. The only, the, the, the thing is, is he was doing it with Jimmy Garoppolo. He wasn't doing it with Trey Lance. I don't think Trey Lance is good. I, I, the, I think all of my hope for Trey Lance in, in his potential is entirely on the shoulders of Kyle Shanahan, because I don't think Trey Lance is that guy. I would rather have Malik Willis. I think Malik Willis in his own rights has, a lot more potential. We saw one clean season from Trey Lance at NDSU. We saw some mistake-ridden seasons from Malik Willis at Liberty. Uh, he was originally, uh, he originally went to Auburn, for those of you that didn't know that. He, he finished his career with Liberty, but he was, in fact, uh, a, an Auburn Tiger. And 
I, I struggle with the the small school, the bad competition stuff. If I don't see something that I genuinely find amazing when I watch them play, when I see Malik Willis play and he's playing okay, I see small signs of your Michael Vicks, your Lamar Jacksons. When I saw Trey Lance, I saw Colin Kaepernick. I saw a, a great athlete who who has the ability to just to to make kind of plays on his own, but I don't see an NFL quarterback. Yeah, and that's really, you know, where the dividing line will be. And what do you have for your next pick, the 111? 111, uh, I think this is the end of the tier for me. I would not have included Trey Lance in this. I would have included Justin Fields and possibly Mm. Malik Willis, but he's a fringe guy. Depends where he goes. My 111 is Devonta Smith. I think despite the quarterback issues and the potential offensive issues and and them just kind of, you know, being all over the board. I still think Devonta Smith is an incredible wide receiver prospect. We talked about that, you know, a whole bunch. Um, You know, the, the ability was never really the question. It was always whether he could stay on the field, proved he could stay on the field and he proved he could perform with a very mediocre, if, if not below average quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who, you know, he prioritized running to throwing in by himself, too. So a wide receiver 30 finish for Devonta Smith. Uh, I, I think that is only going to get better, assuming that either the quarterback position gets better, whether it's Jalen Hurts or somebody else. And Devonta Smith continues to get better. I, I think both are are very reasonable. I think that Philly probably adds a running back because they seem to have forgotten how Miles Sanders works. Uh, Dallas Goddard, obviously still a, a you know primary pass catcher there as well, but I think they continue to add weapons as well. And, and then maybe in 2023, they end up getting a quarterback or best case scenario, Jalen Hurts learns how to throw a football. All right, let's go to, oh yeah, Devonta Smith, just my rapid take here. I do think that he is close to the end of the tier. I think my pick is the end of, of the tier and also the end of the first round of this draft. Um, but yeah, I mean, Devonta Smith, I think that, you know, we'll see what, what the Philly does with the wide receiver position in this draft. If they invest once again early, I think that it lowers his ceiling a little bit. But I do think Devonta Smith ends up being, you know, a top 12-ish wide receiver in the NFL sooner rather than later. Let's go with our final pick in the first round, 112. This is my 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 guy pick, my out on the limb pick. Like if you were to look at rankings, this is the one where people are like, yeah, I'm not sure that fits. But it is Travis Etienne. I'm a big believer in the Jal- and the J- Jalis Jaguars. <laughs> They're the turning J- into the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the, Jax- the Jacksonville Jaguars offense with Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence, and I think that you know, with a late season injury to James Robinson, that ETN is in a position to grab this RB1 job and not relinquish it ever. And so, you know, very, very good RB prospect. Travis ETN is a better prospect than Brees Hall. Travis ETN is a better prospect than everybody in every running back in this draft, in my opinion. Um, I think that Brees is going to have like the dynasty advantage in terms of value because he doesn't have that year of injury uh, under his belt. But with Travis ETN, I'm, I'm buying the dip and, like this is probably above where his value is, but I I I I buy him at this value. Absolutely, uh, and I I love Travis Etienne, the the prospect. I, I think he still has immense potential. He obviously has the first round draft capital. My my issue is you know the the medicals. It, you know, is he going to be a hundred percent? Is he going to be ready to go? 
missing that very important rookie season. Uh, that that one's a little bit tough. And then the historical data, I mean, Travis Etienne is the only first-round running back in the last 10 years to not play. Uh, some of them probably shouldn't have played, <laughs> but like maybe Rashad Penny, uh, Sony Michelle, Trent Richardson, guys like that. Uh, I, I think... I think I don't know. This one's hard to to call as far as what I think Travis Etienne will be. I want him to be great. I struggle with the missed rookie season. Now, obviously, that's not going to affect any potential production going forward unless he just isn't healthy or he's insane. But um, I do think that he would have been the RB1 in this class pretty comfortably. Uh, I I like his value at this stage. I, I think I probably should have more shares than I do. And again, another player I would have taken over Trey Lance to start the next tier. All right. And before we get into round two of the rookie mock matrix, some of these players got to be taken in best ball. Some of these players are good redraft values. Um, I, I think that ETN could be a re good redraft value. I think Brees might end up, post-draft being a very overrated player in redraft best ball. So where could we overdraft Brees Hall in best ball, Dan? Well, you can overdraft a lot of places, but there's only one place you should be overdrafting. Uh, definitely not the bank. You don't want to overdraft at the bank. <laughs> we want to go to underdogfantasy.com, folks. It's quite simply the best and easiest way to play any fantasy sports. For the season-long drafts, we got that lovely best ball. You know, we love that best ball. You don't want to set lineups. You don't want to have to do, you know, free agents and trades and you know, set lineups is for the birds. Get on to underdogfantasy.com and just play. There's so there's so much fun to be had. And the best part, Nathan, and I, I know you like free money. I'm okay with it, but I feel like everybody should want free money right so when you deposit your first time on underdog if you use our code rotoviz r-o-t-o-v-i-z they're gonna match your first deposit up to 100 dollars. you put in 100 they put in 100 nathan math what's that 100 match it's as simple as that you now have extra gambling money because we're all degenerates that's all we want to do so Get to Underdog, sign up, deposit, use our code R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, Rotoviz. You can use that for your, your best ball leads. You can use that for the pick'ems where you're doing over-unders. There's so much fun to be had, Nathan. We just need people to do it. And a reminder to play responsibly. Yeah, definitely play responsibility, but but you know, also we're degens, so there's nothing really responsible about it. But well, if be responsible. All, all I know, Dan, is if the, if the word degen is an adverb, we have to throw in play responsibly. Play responsibly. <laughs> Underdogfantasy.com. I'm a code We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I believe you have the next pick, Dan. 201 it is. My long wide receiver one in this class recently gets bumped because of reports essentially for what was my wide receiver one or my wide receiver two has nothing to do with Traylon Burks being less good or whatever. Uh, Traylon Burks at 201. I I still think he profiles out to be just an absolute force. I I think we're getting a a heavyweight AJ Brown. Uh, It even makes me think of like an Anquan Bolden love Love, love Traylon Burks. And if he slides into the second round, like some people are projecting, and I think these reports are probably from the teams picking later in the first round that want Traylon Burks to slide so they can get him, um, that is going to be one of the the steals. And I, I keep hearing all this crap on Twitter about how his his production or whatever is like, it doesn't mean anything. And meanwhile, we're propping up Drake London, who plays in the Pac-10 or Pac-12 or Pac-37, whatever the hell they are now, uh, which is arguably the worst Power 5 conference that exists. Uh, but we're going to we're gonna shame an SEC player for having a few big plays here and there. So, Traylon Burks for me. I, I, I'm genuinely hoping for one of the great landing spots towards the back half of the first. But... I think if it is in the first, it won't really matter. He's going to get his, and he's going to prove to everybody why he probably should have been the wide receiver one in this class, but we'll settle for, like, wide receiver three. Yeah, I'm a big Burks guy. I I had him wide receiver one this time last year in the 2022 class, and I think that, unfortunately, my draft capital allegiances will probably end up having me take him after a couple guys that are going to be selected after this, because some of these guys are going to be selected at, you know, pick 15, pick 16 with Bur- with Burks maybe going in like the 32 to 40 range. So we'll really see landing spots and draft capital, all those fun things. I'm still going to like Burks and have a decent amount of them, but the, the dampening of his draft stock has, has hurt me as a draft capital enthusiast. Sure, uh, and that's very, very understandable. I, I don't think he's going to slide far enough where it's worrisome, like someone like uh, Hakeem Butler comes to mind, where it's like, oh, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and then, oh, he's not picked until, what day was it, three? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so, all right, Nathan, this one I'm kind of excited about. 202, we got. 202, I'm going to go with the player that is, speaking of draft capital, if draft capital didn't exist, I would not be making this selection, but Malik Willis, 202, um, has the makings of a possible elite fantasy quarterback with his legs, with his big arm. I don't necessarily think he's the best passer in this in this draft, but he is going to be the first one off the board, and he is going to have that rushing upside and rushing floor as well. And so from a dice perspective, from a dice superflex perspective, Malik Willis is a nice pick here at 202. Like I said, I, I'm kind of like 
talking against myself by saying like I don't like this pick, but I'm making it anyways. And I think most people who take Malik Willis are going to have this stance, you know, this time next week. Yeah, I, I, I it's hard to kind of naysay at this stage because we I think we do expect him to be the the QB one. I, I think landing spot will matter. Uh, which landing spot is it? We'll see. I think if it's Carolina, uh, I would argue he could be the 101 in your Superflex leagues. Uh, I'm still going to probably lean uh, Brees Hall if he is a first-round running back. But you know, if Malik Willis goes to Carolina, I, I think that is a, a match made in heaven, in all honesty. I think they've got the weapons. They've Yeah, I mean, there aren't. what's weird is that there's not a lot of good, great quarterbacks in this class. There are a decent amount of very good quarterback landing spots. Sure. You have Atlanta with Kyle Pitts. You have Carolina with DJ Moore. You have Detroit, who is building a monster. You know, it might take a little while, but from inside I, out, they're start. They're they're going though. They're doing well. And then and then you have Pittsburgh, who are just that's a quality franchise that's kind of competitive year in and year out. And you have New Orleans, who they just, they just lost Sean Payton, but they have Michael Thomas. They have Alvin Kamara. Like you can poke holes in the quarterback landing spots. But I think this is one of the better years for quarterback landing spots, and Malik Willis is poised to land in possibly one of the best ones. Yeah, I would say if it, if for whatever reason it ends up being like Washington, uh, you know, one of the the lower tier teams on that list, even Seattle, I, I probably I would be okay with, but not in love with. Seattle's so gross. Like it, you have Metcalf and Lockett, but. I can't trust anything that Pete Carroll does the rest of his life. No, I mean, you put a quarterback that isn't an elite passer like Russell Wilson is in a place that they're only going to throw it 312 times. I, I it, that, That'd be a really tough one. So I think if it's Carolina or if it's Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm you know, it's probably pants off, dance off at that stage because he'll, he'll probably be my 101 if he goes to either one of those places. All right. What is your next selection? Are we going 2021 rookie or 2022 rookie? Uh, I'm going to go 2022 rookie here. This one, again, is more chart-based than anything. I, I think Kenneth Walker uh, and potentially Isaiah Spiller have a chance to be those those fringe first-round guys. See, uh, uh, Dan, th- this is where you needed a co-host last week. When you said Kenneth Walker could be a first no. Kenneth Walker's... He's, he's on the not. odds list. He's on the odds list. A, I haven't seen a single mock with Kenneth Walker in the first round. you got to remember that the NFL likes to make really bad draft picks, so there's potential. However, I I do think that there's enough with Kenneth Walker. Uh, I don't think he should be a first-round running back. To be honest, probably like a late second, but someone's going to fall in love with what he did last year at Michigan State. It's just inevitable. Um, I mean, he did the things you want to see that the running backs do, especially later in their career, even, I mean, he's a junior. It's not like he was you know, dead by any means, but a sophomore transfer from Wake Forest into Michigan State. He goes into the Big Ten out of the ACC. And, you know, as we all know, the Big Ten is, is the running conference, and he ran all over it. So uh, I think Kenneth Walker has, has a chance to be a strong running back at the next level. I don't think he's going to be, you know, the elite bell cow type, but I think with draft capital, Early on, he'll have enough to to kind of warrant the the selection here, just strictly based on volume. Even if he doesn't end up being one of the better true prospects. For me, Kenneth Walker screams like the type that gets drafted in like the mid to late second, 
and it's clearly like a 1B in an offense. You know, a place like Tampa or New Orleans or, you know, something like – I'm not saying those teams are necessarily taking a, a running back in the second round, but that's where I think he'll land. I don't – I'm not necessarily sure that Kenneth, Kenneth Walker lands in a place where he's the clear RB1. Just get ready for him to be like the new Jeremy Hill to my Giovanni Bernard. He's going to be an absolute thorn in the side for one running back that's on the way up that everybody seems to like, and then he just destroys their value. Next, we're going to go to the the Ohio State University in Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver, um, the the man who was on the field while Jamison Williams couldn't find his way on. Um, so Garrett Wilson, I'm going to put him into the road of his box course to go with an anticipated pick of pick 16, and we'll see what that spits out. Um, but with Garrett Wilson, I think that he is probably one of the more natural wide receivers, the, the less gadgety, the, you know, pure wide receiver, you know, the, the film gurus love, um, his, his comps are Percy Harvin, Jerry Judy, Nelson Aguilar, Brandon Cooks, Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley at pick 16 overall. So I, I think that, you know, some some of the separation concerns from a player like Drake London, who will be taken later in this mock draft, and, you know, some of the, the late breakout concerns that you see with Jameson Williams and then Traylon Burks, the, the lower draft capital. I think that Garrett Wilson kind of, you if you look at everyone else's concerns, he like kind of like doesn't have them, but he doesn't have the upside of maybe some of the guys around him. I mean, you say he was on the field and Jamison Williams wasn't, but was he on the field? I mean, look at the numbers. Those aren't that's not a player that plays a full season and, and does the most with the least at a, you know, at a place where he's <laughs> competing with targets for other NFL players. Jamison Williams, to me, is it was a was a, a much a had a much better junior season. But B was just a better college player in general. Garrett Wilson's fine. Uh, I don't love either one of the Ohio State wide receivers. I don't think I'll ever love an Ohio State wide receiver. That's that's like the bias in me that despises Ohio State and USC wide receivers. I don't know what it is. Uh, I think I've been stung enough where it just ends up happening that way. I do think Garrett Wilson will end up being fine. Uh, I, I don't I don't think the ceiling is overwhelmingly high, but I do think he has a chance to be you know like a a career wide receiver three in fantasy I, I just i don't think he's ever going to be the guy in an offense now let's go to your next pick is your next pick the guy in an offense 205 uh i went elijah moore now this one again is, is kind of more based on volume and, and available targets in new york we hope that zach wilson continues to grow but I think what Elijah Moore showed us in his rookie campaign was that he can do it at this level, uh, and he can be pretty darn good in doing so. Uh, you know, having having kind of an emptier uh, New York Jets wide receiver room. I mean, they had Corey Davis, and Corey Davis had a fine season. Um, and Elijah Moore, talking about people that couldn't stay on the field, he only played 11 games, which, you know, it's not great, but... He averaged seven targets per game. So that part I, I'm kind of in love with. They, I feel like he can play any one of the wide receiver roles in any one of the spots. I think working him inside makes a little bit more sense. But I'm just fine with him being outside because I, I do know that they like to have Braxton Berrios and, and keeping him inside. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the draft. 
Uh, whether or not Corey Davis remains a factor, I, I would assume he will. And I, I, I just I feel like this offense can all kind of all grow together. I think Elijah Moore is a perfect type of weapon for someone like Zach Wilson. We we always talked about how quarterbacks have their binkies, they have their safety nets, their 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 blankies. Um, I feel like Elijah Moore is that for Zach Wilson, and I think they'll continue to have a decent connection for however long Zach Wilson remains a quarterback. Yeah, I think many people saw him as with early second round draft capital as a high variance prospect in 2021, and we certainly saw his you know levels of his ceiling in year one. Yes, uh, injuries ended his season before he could truly get going, but I do like Elijah Moore a decent bit, and I think that he could work his way close in value to Garrett Wilson and Devonta Smith and Traylon Burks, but at this stage, I think that you know. I'm a, I'm a Zach Wilson fan, but I also think that, you know, the deficiencies that Zach Wilson has may end up hurting Elijah Moore. And so I'll move on to my next pick. So I'm, I, I just said he has deficiencies, but I'll take him anyways at the 206 Zach Wilson, um, number two overall pick in the 2022 NFL, I mean, 2021 NFL draft, getting this type of value. Yes, he had a little bit of a down rookie season, but I, I'm not saying that I, I, I am saying I believe his rookie season is his floor. Um, and granted, his floor would get him kicked out of the league. But <laughs> I think that you have his ceiling looking at his road of his box score scout. His ceiling is an Andrew Luck or a Trevor Lawrence or a Joe Burrow. And then his floor is a Sam, is a Sam Darnold or a Jack Cohn. <laughs> um, but I, I still think that Zach Wilson has a decent bit of upside, especially if you can get going with Elijah Moore, as we discussed previously. I know you aren't a big Zach Wilson fan, so what are your thoughts with him in this spot? Well, his floor would get him kicked out, but his floor is also like beneath the subflooring. It's like Mariana Trench type floor. Um, I, I think, in well, I shouldn't say in my opinion. I think he was pretty clearly the worst rookie quarterback that started enough games to qualify to to get that nomination. Um, again, the New York Jets didn't exactly have uh, the luxury of all of the, you know, the weapons that someone like Trevor Lawrence had. Oh, he didn't have any weapons. Well, Davis Mills had a ton of really good weapons. Well, Mac Jones had a lot of really good weapons. Oh, I think Zach Wilson arguably had the best weapons out of all of the rookie quarterbacks, and he performed the worst. Now, it's still the New York Jets. They didn't have a running game or any semblance of that. Elijah Moore wasn't healthy the whole season. He was also a rookie, but you have veteran and Corey Davis. You had a, you know, you, you, Jamison Crowders, you're, you know, you have a veteran wide receiver room and Wilson just didn't really look to part. He, he looked like Baker Mayfield chasing ghosts. Um, I, I worry for that portion of it for him. I, I, I don't think he has real high ceiling. I think he's more the career backup type. But career backup, I feel like he has the ability to be a career backup. Yes, I said that you you have three more years to figure it out. And I think after this year, we'll know if he takes his strides forward as an actual passer and, and shows a little bit of pocket presence. I think we can stick to him a little bit more. I just. I, I have no faith in Zach Wilson whatsoever. I think I would have rather taken Davis Mills. That's incorrect. But uh, what is your next pick? So after Zach Wilson, I went with my least favorite of the wide receiver room, strictly 
strictly taking him based on draft capital here. Taking a page out of your book, Nathan. Draft capital is king. Uh, I'm going Drake London. I, I I think the Mike Evans comp isn't outside of you know the the possibilities, but that's a huge, huge, huge draw when we're talking about fantasy production. Like I mentioned earlier, Mike Evans hasn't finished higher than wide receiver 22 in his career. Yeah, I said it. That's eight years. His worst fantasy finish, wide receiver 22. You can look it up. I, I'll, you want me to wait? I can wait. No, I'm not going to wait. He, uh, th- that's, that's not going to happen for Drake London. If it does, amazing. Then, then you probably have like a Hall of Fame type player like Mike Evans probably will end up being if he continues at his pace. But Nathan, you said it on Twitter. Yeah, I didn't say it. I just agreed with it. I, you see a combination of Mike Evans and Devin Funchess. Um, that one stung a little bit. <laughs> it brought me back to the Devin Funches days, but I, I feel it. You know, people talk about they gloat about his athleticism. Yeah, he can jump, but cool. <laughs> uh, I I don't think he's this big playmaker down the field. Uh, you know, he's going to be 50-50 balls. And sure, he can win those. That's a phenomenal trait. That's the reason we loved Kenny Galladay. It's the reason we loved Alshon Jeffrey. Um those guys didn't have super long, luxurious careers. Mike Evans can do a lot more than just go win jump balls. I don't think Drake London is on the level of Mike Evans as a prospect. Uh, talking about, you know, the, you know, he, he had his freshman start, which I think is important for his profile. Whereas someone like Jamison Williams or even honestly, Garrett Wilson didn't really do like everything we wanted until a little bit later on. Drake London had that early, that early start. My my kind of deterrent here again, we go back to the, the Pac-70, whatever the conference is called at this stage. Uh, I struggle with wide receivers out of that conference that, you know, aren't like a true, like crazy elite profile. And and London, he yeah, has, you know, Keenan Allen, a real bomb over there. But but he wasn't like super high on everybody's books. Everybody either loved him or hated him. It was the same thing with like Devonte Adams who showed up and then all of a sudden his hands fell off. Right. I mean, a different, different deal, but you get what I'm saying. I, I feel like it's either going to be the best or the worst. I, I don't think there's a floor here for Drake London. I think that's the abyss. All right. Let's rapid fire through these last five or six picks. I can't do math in front of my head. Uh, <laughs> 208. 208, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Matt Coral. Um, I, th- I referenced before that I think there's a lot of very solid quarterback landing spots, and I think Matt Coral is going to be the QB2 off the board. And if he's not, Kenny Pickett is, and Kenny Pickett is going to be thrown into uh, a fire because he's terrible. Um, <laughs> so Matt Coral is – here's the thing. If I was starting an NFL franchise, I would take Sam Howell as the QB2. I would probably take Sam Howell as the QB1, but I'm an idiot. So I'm not starting a franchise. So – I'm saying Matt Coral probably going to be the QB two or three in the draft and is going to be my QB two in terms of dynasty superflex rankings, unless things go way haywire. So we saw some of the upside from Matt Coral um, in 2021, 2020 uh, with Ole Miss. And I think that he is a playmaker and could, you know, be a very solid fantasy asset. I think that he is a, a slightly better version of, of a guy who's going to go to a couple picks, and that's Mac Jones. I think that Matt Coral is Mac Jones with a little bit more upside. Well, I, I think the the clear difference there is the the rushing potential yeah. for Matt Coral. I feel like 
he, I mean, he could he could run for a few hundred yards pretty comfortably, potentially more. So the athleticism is a big difference there for me. Um, Which he, Sam Howell also has that, that athleticism. Yeah, and Sam Howell does have the same thing. I, I don't I don't love Matt Coral. I don't hate Matt Coral. I struggle on where to put him. I I, I do think it's really going to depend on where he goes. Again, if there's if there's one of the couple bad landing spots he ends up, sure, he'll probably have the, the production. He'll probably be able to start early. But I, I think that's going to really hinder his his potential. Uh, whereas if he were to go to somewhere like Carolina or to Pittsburgh, uh, you know that that's, that'd be big for him. Um, so I, I think until we see landing spot, I'm, I'm probably just like a... I don't want to say a void, but kind of a hold off on Matt Coral. I, I don't... Like I said, I don't hate him. It's just a, a weird spot for me. So, uh, 209, I'm going with my third and final uh, running back out of this rookie class. Someone who I feel like did we? Do you like Isaiah Spiller, Nathan? I'm a I'm a huge Isaiah Spiller guy. I I just worry about it. He had a poor off season with the combine and pro day, and the athleticism isn't looking good for one Isaiah Spiller. And I think that might dip him into like the middle of the third or late third round of the NFL draft. So, uh, you know, obviously we put a lot of weight onto those numbers as the community, and we, we want to see people run. We want to see people be athletic and explosive. But what we see on film from Isaiah Spiller definitely doesn't match the things that we saw combine-wise. I mean, I, we're not talking about a home run hitter on every single play like Saquon Barkley. I, I don't think anyone was expecting that. I don't think we were expecting, uh, you know, as, as being as low as it was. And maybe there's a lingering injury or, or maybe he wasn't going 100 because he wanted to protect himself, whatever, whatever it could be. He's got a decent profile for college. I, I think, again, someone's going to fall in love with his size. Someone's going to fall in love with with you know, the hard nose running. I, I I think he can be a really nice one A slash one B in an offense that has like a splashy playmaker, someone that that likes to dance, whereas he's just going to run you over. Um I think I think Spiller, depending on where he goes, could swap spots pretty comfortably with Kenneth Walker. I no, yeah. I, if Isaiah Spiller and Kenneth Walker go within five to ten picks of each other, I'm smash smashing Spiller over over Kenneth Walker. A hundred percent. The only reason I took Walker this much above Spiller was because of the projected draft stock. I, I think Walker's yeah. going to go earlier. Uh, but if Spiller sneaks up there, and, and like you said, if they go even close to one another— uh, for me, Spiller is definitely going to be the the running back above. And let's go to the next pick. I referenced him before, Mac Jones. This is a pure floor pick. There's nothing exciting about Mac Jones other than the fact that he's pretty much guaranteed a job for the next five, six, seven years at the quarterback position. Um, it's just, it is what it is. I'm not excited to take a Mac Jones pick, but he's going to score fantasy points for you for a long time. So you got to take Mac Jones here. Yeah, hard to argue. Uh, it's Davis Mills with first-round draft capital, so we, we, we've got that going for us. Uh, New England doesn't seem too, <laughs> too intent on moving off of them. Hopefully they, they figure out a way to start adding weapons. I don't know what it is with this Patriots team and, and figuring out the wide receiver position or adding a running back that anyone's ever heard of, but they just continue to do their thing, and somehow these quarterbacks produce, obviously, when you have Tom Brady for 20 years, that's a, a little bit different. But uh, Mac Jones kind of followed it up with a halfway decent rookie season. 
Uh, I would expect the the touchdown floor to be pretty much what 2021 was. And uh, like I said, hopefully they they find a playmaker or two and we get some guys that can actually make some plays for themselves rather than, you know, have to have it to be schemed for them. Okay. 211. Um, this is uh, this pick for me is one of two players. The second one being the player Nathan took at 212. But 211, I think, has the absolute highest variance of this entire second round, potentially all the way up to like seven with Brees Hall. I think Rashad Bateman has the chance to be in the in the first round of this conversation a year from now. Obviously, it's going to be a different conversation a year from now. But if we revisit this, I think Rashad Bateman has the best chance of anybody in this second group here to move all the way up into this into the top half, if not the top like six or seven. Because I I profile for me, he was wide receiver one for the longest time in that class. Things changed a little bit. Landing spot hindered him. We're seeing Baltimore move back to what Baltimore when they were that offense was great. The big issue here is they still have Hollywood Brown. You have my tight end one, Mark, uh, Mark Andrews, and you have a team that loves to run the football. So volume is going to be an issue, whether it be just Baltimore volume in general or the fact that they have two other really good pass catchers. But I think Rashad Bateman can be a wide receiver one in the NFL. And uh, to me, I, I think he has the chance to make the biggest leap along with your 212 pick. And my and yeah, Bateman, I, I think he's very solid. I don't necessarily see the upside of being like a top ten wide receiver. And I think that I think that's something I do see in the guy that's below him. And that's maybe some anti-draft capitalness that I'm about to spew. But I, I think that in the Baltimore offense and with Bateman's skill set, I think he's very firmly in, in a, like a a fantasy wide receiver two, maybe high end wide receiver three. Um our next player is a guy who I think has legitimate top 12 dynasty wide receiver upside. And it hurts me as a guy who, who hates uh, to take day three guys, but day three guy, Amon Ross St. Brown had zero, 0.0 business going on day three of the NFL draft and showed why in his first year in the NFL showed that he could definitely be a NFL wide receiver one. I guess the question here, Dan is when Detroit inevitably takes a wide receiver probably in the first three rounds of this draft, does Amon Ross St. Brown cement himself as that Detroit wide receiver one? Um, no, I, I don't think so. Hey, I should like him a lot more than I do considering my eternal fondness for guys like Jarvis Landry and Sterling Shepard. Um, to me, St. Brown is going to be an absolute monster in the slot, but he needs to live in the slot. I don't think he's going to survive and produce that way if they push him outside. Obviously, you still have TJ Hawkinson, who is essentially your primary slot wide receiver. So by default, that probably is going to push St. Brown outside. But if he can figure that out or they can figure out how to essentially run two tight end sets with Hawkinson on one side and Amon Ra on the other. I feel like he can be a really, really nice wide receiver too in Dynasty. I don't think he has a high enough ceiling to make a big push because I don't think he's a true one. However, I think volume will dictate that. I mean, he he makes a a decent leap. Um, I don't think he's you know, head and shoulders a better better talent than a bunch of these guys. I just think because of where Detroit is, 
and the way they're building this offense, he's going to have a role, but also this offense should be good enough where his volume not only gets more efficient, but gets just better. Not necessarily more volume, but better volume. You're getting more catchable passes. You're getting more open looks. All of those things, I think, as the as the Lions continue to do what they're doing, and I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but they're doing the right thing, and they have been for the last few years, um, St. Brown could potentially move up into that space. I just if you put if you put Rashad Bateman in his spot, I would probably already have Bateman there. Alrighty, that should wrap us up for our 2022 rookie mock matrix. Any last words before we head out, Dan? This was fun. Uh, I'm glad I remembered. Uh, well, you reminded me, but I'm glad I remembered what the rookie mock matrix was, and <laughs> that I was I was able to secure the 101 this year. And it's normally you, Nathan, that gets the 101 because you normally start the conversation while I'm still sleeping or staring at a wall or something. So I'm I'm happy to have gotten Jamar Chase. I I appreciate the opportunity. Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this week. And make sure to you know uh, tune in next week for our immediate. Uh, immediate feedback to the 2022 NFL draft. That's your up for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh! Promo code RotoViz Underdog.